recording. Oh, we're not right. recording. Wait, metronome. You can no. do the clap this time. Okay, thanks. Because I need to get it out of my right. system. Well, it's a will clap during. Save that as hilarious, Mark and Abby Gold. I don't need to do this bit now, I don't think. Brittany Spears. I'm going to need some more gin. Gosh, we're great, aren't we? Professional podcast. So professional. Oh, yes, I'd like to record that. Okay. Here we go. Round Record two. Uh, do you want to do the clap sync for yes. us? Yes. No, Hi folks, welcome to the second episode of Waiting for Cat Bus, a conversational podcast where four friends gather around a kitchen table to uh, chat about and review every Studio Ghibli movie in chronological order. I'm your host, Ali. I'm joined by Eddie. Hello. Mark. Hi. And Abby. Hey. Um, this is the second episode of Waiting for Cat Bus, uh, which means we're on the second film in Studio Ghibli's uh, oeuvre. Oeuvre. Oh. Oeuvre. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, we just we all kind of just watched Grave of the Fireflies in the past couple of days. Obviously, a much more somber kind of serious affair than um, Castle in the Sky. Um, less castles. Less castles. Yeah. Less castles. Um, to kind of get us started, I'm going to like just kind of recap the plot of the movie, run us through what happened um, in kind of a brief in brief detail, and then we'll get into talking about things we liked, things we didn't like, um, general takes on the whole movie. Um, so the film starts uh, in kind of the middle of the Second World War, um, early 1940s uh, Japan. Um, we're introduced to uh, siblings, Setsuka and... I uh, can't remember his name. Saita. Saita. Um, living like what at first I think seems like quite a normal um, rural life. And then within the first like five minutes we get... Um, Firebombing scene? Correction! <laughs> it starts with the Oh, yeah! <laughs> and then what's this movie like two days ago? Yeah. yeah, so yeah, we're kind of introduced to Sata um, first. Oh, right, yeah, it's that the kind first of like. Line. As, in, as his ghost. Oh, um, yeah. Watching himself die. Oh, yeah, it's very good. It's in the, ch- in the train station. Yeah, and yeah. it's right at the end of um, the second world war. Oh, uh, right, okay, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because in the movie Japan surrenders. <gasps> so it's all. It's, um, it's all sorts of grim, really. Yeah. yeah, it is, yeah. But I think, like, the movie, even though it does kind of start in that quite grim way, then immediately gives us some kind of, like, happiness, right? We see Sato, like, leave the train station in his, like, ghost form. Oh, okay. He walks into the grass. We are introduced to the little girl, Setsuko. Yeah. Um, we have this kind of, like, scene-setting moment, I guess, with Fireflies and them kind of, kind of embracing. Um, and then we kind of smash cut to... I guess, you know, earlier in the year, let's say. Um, they're kind of like living a normal life. Uh, and then we get kind of scenes where uh, bombs are dropped on their town, um, the house burns down, they um, get separated from their mom, run to a shelter. Um, and it's kind of like all pretty harrowing from there, I guess. Mm. Um, I think, it's like, if I remember right, we go from them kind of being separated from their mom not getting to the same shelter as everyone else um, and then like 
the day the next day they head to the hospital mm-hmm. um yeah. and we kind of uh have this like moment where Sator's aunt runs up to him they, they kind of she takes him through to the hospital we see that his mom is kind of like yeah. Not, in a, not in a good way. Not in a good way. It's a school, isn't it, that they've set up as an emergency hospital? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, she's, uh, as I said, not in a good way. Was kind of like quite horribly disfigured and bandaged. Um, and then uh, it's quite hard movie to recap. Because I'm just thinking of like how sad it is across Can all I these jump moments. In? Um, Abby, what did you say when the mum was all oh, bandaged? I said, I guess you could say she's a. Mummy. <laughs> oh, it was a very no. harrowing scene. Abby had to leave the room. I had left the room, but I didn't see the rest of the film, so your recap is really useful. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I feel like um, this movie does, though, in that, in that same vein of you making light of like a really terrible situation. Yeah. The movie like does that repeatedly, right? It kind of introduces happy moments into otherwise really really tragic ones. Yeah. There's... That, like, Go on. Um, like, like childlike when you look back on your childhood you remember like all of the very happy bits when you know there must have been days when there wasn't yeah very good stuff going on but if you were five years old you would be concerned with those like little vignette kind of things mm. yeah like a means of like survival yeah to put it put the horror away get that horror <laughs> out of here Lean away from my face <laughs> Well, they bring attention to it as well. They bring attention to it as well, where like the kids are like playing and the horrible aunt is yeah, like, so... you guys are playing and everyone's like at war and you guys are having fun and they're like, sorry for... Um, can I just say from the off bat that the aunt is an absolute bitch. Oh my bitch. God, she's the worst. Um, I, I, wrote, I wrote it down three times. <laughs> aunt, a, what a bitch. I'm yeah. looking over at his notes and that's all he's written. All I've written. <laughs> that's a really hot take later. Hot take. <laughs> like the shining. Marcus just aunt is a bitch. <laughs> aunt is a bitch. <laughs> um yeah, so we get like basically the mom is obviously in a really bad way, not able to look after them, um, and so Setsuka and Zeta go and kind of stay with their aunt. No, she, the mum dies. But that happens like, they, like no, the day after. The mum dies and then he goes. Yeah. I think that happens. Oh really? Yeah, because yeah, he pretends for a while, like, even when they get there. Because he yeah. turns up with the ashes. Oh, yeah. You basically see her being buried. Like, you see them bringing her body out in this bandaged form yeah. and then just being chucked in a grave and yeah. buried. And it's just so rough. Yeah, it's really brutal. Um, but what I was going to say there is that, like like you said, they, um, they go and live with their aunt and then, like, it's it's kind of like metaphorical sure and in the sense that like the aunt like chides them for having fun when there's horrible things going on mm-hmm. but then also like in a super literal way there's so many moments in this movie where Saito like physically like takes um, Setsuka away or like just doesn't let her even like see the horrible stuff which I think is kind of like the physical version of that yeah um, mm-hmm. there's that bit where they're after they've been living with their aunt for a while um, and still like uh, Saito hasn't said to his sister that the mom's dead. They like go to the beach. Yeah. 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 And That's... then and they oh, yeah. see the bot she they're like playing in this in the um in the sea on the sand. We get like a flashback of their like childhood life and then it kind of like ends with Satsuka like walking along and just like finding a body. Yeah. Um in the sand, which and he's just like, Don't look at that, let's move away. Yeah. Um Oh, I thought you were gonna say about her revealing that she knows, but that's a bit later on, isn't it? Like, yeah. He doesn't actually ever tell her. Yeah. She is like oh yeah I know 
Yeah, it's another classic example of that aunt just being the worst person. Oh, yeah. Um, the bit where, so like, that this is the drag the aunt. Is, <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, is. Yeah. There's a bit where they like sell all of their mom's um, kimonos and then buy, like gets all that rice, and then the aunt's just like, "Well, I'm having some of this rice as your like rent," and doesn't give. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then they they want more. Horrible. And like, at dinner. The little girl was like, can I have some more? And I was like, yeah, fine. And the next day, they go to eat more. And she's like, you're not having any of this. Like, yeah. You may as well just start cooking your own meals. And you're like, what an absolute bitch. Like, and then they do it. And that she and she doesn't even like that. She's like, oh, now they're cooking their they own meal. Bought a bloody yeah, oh, exactly. for God, the, just to spite me. Yeah, it's, it's actually really, really horrible to watch. Like, that is one of the most difficult mm. things. Like, yeah, it's yeah, weird. It's a film about war yeah, and yeah. death. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, not someone... being there for his Family. But there's the one person that should be like because yeah. the story's kind of really separated from what actually is happening in the war. Because yeah. I think I read somewhere that they didn't want to focus too much on like what the purposes of the war was and actually focus yeah. on the home life. And you you know for sure that this happened like probably all over Japan, all over the world, like countries that were really affected by this. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't all like oh gun ho, tally ho, like let's yeah. keep yeah. calm and carry on. Like no, it brought out the worst in a lot of people. Yeah, and I, well, I think like especially like the rice is a really interesting example. Like this movie does. It's so funny. Like when we did Cast in the Sky, and like even going into this podcast, we were like, oh, I can't wait to talk about the food, Fudio Ghibli. I have food. Um, you got food notes, <laughs> like, but that's what I mean, right? Like food is such a like interesting part in like all of these movies, yeah. and. It's like aestheticized in a really interesting way and looks really tasty. Um, and then in this movie, food is like such a central kind of like yeah. issue in terms of like everyone is hungry, everyone is trading all of their belongings for food. You don't deserve food. Like there's so many like interesting. Everyone is kind of like obsessed yeah. with um, eating. And then obviously, kind of like jumping ahead a bit, that kind of is the thing of the movie, right? Because um, that's how they die. That's how they die, right? So Suka dies from malnutrition. Yeah. It's kind of like that. There's like a violence. that They're kind of living a world surrounded by violence, but the thing that gets them is, mm-hmm. is, yeah. is like a lack of food. Yeah. Is there more in the plot that you want to go into? Because that's sort of the rest of the film that we've gone through. Like yeah. the, Once they get kicked out of the uh, aunt's... Or they kick themselves out of the aunt's house, that's kind mm. of the rest of the film. There's a few bits where yeah. he like... But go. Like, no, no, no. Uh, you're, you're totally right. Like, even when I was like looking at like recapping this, like it really does go from like that opening, opening kind of moment where they where their house burns down, mm-hmm. their mom dies, they go to live with their aunt, and then as soon as they get out of their, out of their aunt's house and they go and live in that um, like air raid shelter by the lake, which at first is like really charming and like mm. kind of has this like quaint, cute, like childlike thing to it, right? Like yeah. how many times as a kid were you like, I'm gonna go make like, a den in the yeah. garden? It yeah. has that yeah. that total vibe to it, um, and then yeah, like you say, like that's kind of the movie the rest of the movie plays out is with them there them struggling but like, I think we've kind of touched on the, the big point of this movie like Mark was saying is that like it's a, it's definitely a war movie um, like there are like in, in different reads on this movie like especially around the time where um, Hisao Takahata who's the guy that directed it like kind of like the, the left brain of, of Studio Ghibli um, he was like oh I didn't set out to make a war movie it's just a, a kind of movie about childhood even though I think it very clearly is a is a kind of like post war yeah. tale. It's not a war movie in that like so many war movies are like celebrating the events yeah. Yeah. that go on and like the heroes of war. Yeah. This is from the complete other perspective to a lot of the war movies that we yeah. get like presented. It's sorry, 
that's uh, no i am done saying the words <laughs> it's very much like a war is happening but apart from the like the fire bombs at the start like the war is very much um isolated from them like even in like the shots you see of anything like war like it's always somewhere else like there's this mm-hmm. bit where they're looking out across the sea lake fields it's some sort of landscape yeah <laughs> and there's an old man shouting at clouds oh so uh, yeah it's over there and you see like these planes flying yeah. across and the sky is kind of like murky and you can see the flames but it's very much like that is over there and we're dealing with our problems here yeah, yeah. they're so distant from it but they're still so immediately affected by yeah. it yeah and, um, and I was just reading somewhere that as well like um, there was a bit of a worry that the director um, thought that Japan was using it to um, as like a sympathy piece mm. as like oh look at what the world war did to us and the director was like, no, that wasn't what I wanted it for. Like, yeah. that's not, not, it's not his aim. Yeah, it's interesting. I, like, this movie does this thing that, like, all Ghibli movies do as well, lots of Ghibli movies do as well, where, it, like, like you say, their war is, like, happening off screen and also, like, geographically removed in lots of ways from where they are. Like, it's a movie about rural Japan. It's a story about, kind of, like, normal people and everyday lives, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a bit where, they, where the aunt says, like, oh, well, go and live with your mother's family in um, Tokyo if you want da, da, da. like they're very much like kind of yeah. in their own little At, bubble like, to the point that he's like I don't know how to contact them yeah. like yeah. that's so weird to think about now mm-hmm. like, yeah. yeah and how like yeah yeah <laughs> I think I think although but though, although this movie does like separate itself from in lots of ways from kind of like military conflict there are definitely ways that it pulls those things in um, their dad is definitely like the kind of um, I think when this movie is openly critical about kind of the cost of war or the kind of the face of war. It, it comes through from when they talk about their dad or like their dad being away. Um, mm. uh, Saito t- does this whole thing where he talks about like going to see a military show one time. Yeah. Um, we have that like amazing scene um, where oh, it was with the fireworks. Uh, yeah, and the and the fireflies when they're so once they've kind of gone gone to live in the bomb shelter, um, they like go outside and collect lots of fireflies bring them into the thing put the mosquito nets down and like kind of fill the entire space with fireflies and like he looks up and reminisces the time that he saw like this big display of Mm. um, military excellence and then the morning after the fireflies are all dead and she puts them in a mass grave and it like very obviously Mm. is like and that, yeah, put piece in those two things together. Because you know, film Grave of the Fireflies, and it's taking this long. Time. Oh yeah, until <laughs> we grave get to the actual grave. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> what that means. And that's when the little girl is like, "Oh, is this what happened to Mum?" Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's when she revealed. Yeah. And then, even then, the boy who I'm gonna forget his name. Sata. Sata. He's like, he says yes, yeah. and doesn't even tell her that. No, she got she got cremated and and I have her remains. Like he still then cannot bring himself to reveal like the full truth. Um, what I thought was interesting though about the um, the sort of war element was the aunt, obviously again, mm-hmm. what a bitch, um, and how she has this weird sense of pride about the army, mm-hmm. but then she doesn't have the compassion to deal with the people that the army are fighting for. Mm-hmm. Like she has this like sort of grand sense of justice when like we should. Be supporting our troops but then she's just a horrible person to those directly affected by the army's yeah. actions yeah i feel like it's that whole thing of like the kind of implicit thing is it that implicit um of um sata being of age to join the military and mm. actively not doing it because he's got this 
a dependent. Yeah. We don't really know what was kind of going on directly before this film started. He could have been, as she calls him, a lazy slug. Yeah, and that's, that line is so crazy. Yeah, I miss that one. Yeah. What was he wearing though? He's wearing yeah, like. What is this outfit he's wearing? Army. It look. It um, looks like like an meant... army cadet's uniform. Right. Or, yeah. But it could be like. Um... I think we should buy that H and M. Yeah. You have that. Yeah, you have that. I jacket. actually do have that jacket. <laughs> you're always running around, shouting, catching fireflies, pretending you're in Japan. You know, it's just <laughs> very strange. It's a weekend activity. <laughs> um, but yeah, like you hit the nail on the head, and there's a moment when. Um, like to go to bring it back like to food where there aren't literally is like um like eat your rice you can't grow up you know you can't be a soldier if you don't grow yeah. up healthy like it's kind of like implied obviously um that you know your one role right now mm-hmm. is to go and fight regardless of what the situation is yeah. video give me food review yeah here we go hit us here up we we've go. got some pretty good foods in this film yeah um obviously yeah, the film is kind of about before food dies of not before eating. everyone dies of not eating before the food disappears yeah um, we've got uh, he picks up that t- the jar um, out of the pot that they buried in the garden yeah. oh, and it's got yeah. the tart little um, sour pickled yeah, plums yeah I've, I've put dried sour fruit dried sour fruit <laughs> pickled plums yeah, Abby describes it as a tart little fruit in a jar. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I call Mark. Oh, I just referred to myself in the third person because I got so excited about that really bad joke. Um, he they, he gives her the durrups, which are little fruit drops um, out of the tin. Yeah. Um, and there's a bit where they're eating some meal, and this is before like food becomes such an important part of the story but I swear it looks like a beach like it's been made up to look like a beach but I might just be chatting shit what's the, the food? yeah the food is like a plate and it's like I don't know what it is it just looks like a, they're eating a miniature beach <laughs> I mean maybe there's bits of this movie that take place on a beach maybe yeah. maybe there's some in beach imagery in yeah right exactly and that's what I thought but maybe not and then from that point onwards food became sort of the enemy of like the antagonist yeah. lack oh, of food um, like sort of summed up at the end where the little girl's like I made you some food oh, and she oh has yeah rocks, oh, she's just God. hallucinating yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and she's eating butter marbles no, yeah, she's she's eating can't eat those and yeah. that was just absolutely devastating and that's the end of Foodio Give Me <laughs> the section that only upbeat section marbles <laughs> zero out of ten <laughs> yeah exactly do not eat marbles do not eat kids. marbles um but I think it, it leads us on to like like a really good point and I think again like the thing that this movie does so like interestingly and the thing that makes it like simultaneously like hard and easy to watch is the way that it, it constantly bounces back between like being really joyous um, like mm-hmm. uh, Saito makes the best of every situation like does whatever he can to make her feel happy and feel childlike um, like the sweets are the perfect example of like that mm. of that like they become like the symbol for this movie um, because A because they're sweets and so yeah. definitely symbolise like childhood and innocence and the way that they kind of like he cited gives them to Setsuke like piecemeal one by one yeah. I know there's something really like powerful about that even in this like terrible situation he still has the one thing that can kind of make her happy yeah and there's that bit where um he like dissolves them in water does he and like shakes it up so it's just she just brings like sugar oh no yeah he puts like that's so weird because that's like obviously that's like the least nutritional thing you could eat and then they go on and you're like just eat some good food for the rest of the film like when even when they're eating like watermelon it's like 
Oh, you, you missed that on your video, give me. Yeah, that but that wasn't part was of the fun. <laughs> yeah, it was quite nice. It was very sad, that moment. <laughs> <laughs> like a good watermelon. Because um, yeah. yeah, we don't talk about the... We haven't spoken about the um, the fact that he ste- he starts stealing all the food yeah. 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 from the farmers, and that kind of that is the start of his downfall, which is just super sad, because... Um, yeah, so but then, but then it's interesting, right? Because we talked about like um, there's like a disconnect between the way people in the town village treat like the two of them as if they're like va- like as vagrants mm-hmm. versus like the national pride they have for the army and the situation mm-hmm. they're in. Mm-hmm. But we do get that that scene where yeah, he's stealing like sugar, sugar, sugar yeah, sh- uh, sugar canes and stuff from that yeah. farm, and then he goes to um, gets taken in by to the police station like he's all um kind of beaten and the police officer is, is like super decent really really nice and like lets him go and kind of... yeah because he says to the, the farmer he's like oh this kind of could be assault and it could be this and it could be that and the farmer's like oh, okay then okay. <laughs> and then he, like buggers off so it's nice to see like one decent adult yeah, yeah. he's decent he could have done a bit more, a bit more he's like do you want some everything. water did he just like moan about your sister who's dying yeah but off, on your way like he's, he's not a he bitch ha- like the yeah other. yeah I mean he's not a massive bitch like the other. <laughs> where is she at this point in the movie like at, by like this point when they're like de- like desperately un- unhealthy and unhappy I'm like where like I get that she's like looking after other people and stuff's going on but at this point surely like you can just go and she's too busy to find them yeah. yeah too busy eating rice oh yeah because they don't they take another kimono to her to sell he's, or is it yeah. he steals it he's so still... we have the like yeah it starts off with like um, Saito mm. like stealing food and then it becomes like whenever the air raid goes off he runs into town and like robs the houses um, and then tries to sell the kimono back yeah. to the aunt and she's like oh no this isn't your mother's and it's um Sorry, just to sort of reference Doctor Who. I think I referenced Doctor Who last time. Yeah. I don't think it will be the last time. This is our Doctor Who fan count. <laughs> um, where like it, there is an episode where it's set in World War Two, and it's about these um, kids who don't have homes. Oh, and the it comes out there now. It's the yeah, the empty jar. Like so creepy. But yeah, like the basis of that is that they all go into houses during air raids at dinner time, and they eat they eat all the food. And it's that toss-up of like, yeah, this is awful. Like people are on rations, but they also can't feed themselves. So it's just like absolutely horrible. Yeah. Um. Oh, say, oh yeah. I mean, like the to go back to what did you say the sweets were called? Durops. Durops, because they they they've become like yeah. one of those like iconic um, Ghibli like images, and like mm. you can like buy can buy the tins, yeah, and like yeah. they've become a really like strong symbol. And this movie has a kind of bunch of very clear symbols like that obviously like the fireflies are kind of like the biggest example mm-hmm. and I think we need to get like too GCSA lit about like what do the fireflies symbolise <laughs> but there is something there right and there is something around like you know they live for, for such a short amount of time they burn really bright and they kind yeah. of die off like, like the kids like yeah children. exactly um, and it's like those like short moments of like hope yeah yeah and then you get the line why do fireflies have to die so soon yeah and tears erupt. From yeah, the there was. The, I mean, like there are multiple points in this movie where I was just like choking up because it, it is just like, like I say, it flips between being like super happy mm. in lots of ways, um, even when their lives are like at their kind of bleakest, um, when they're like eating frogs and like oh, everything's gosh, really yeah. grim. But you see that Saito's like built her a swing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and the thing yeah. as well. Like you're right, the the, the happy moments 
let's talk about like how cute they actually are like so cute. i've got down she's here so that cute. she is just adorable like yeah. they animate her so well like her little habits yeah. like being on tiptoes or like pulling funny faces yeah. like she's always doing something and yeah. it's just mm. adorable it is yeah yeah, I mean, like, it's go, kind of goes without saying with all of these movies, but the animation in this film was obviously, like, exceptional. Yeah. Um, the, like, the landscape, like, Ghibli landscapes are always, like, make you just, like, want to go there so badly. Yeah. But even in this movie where there's, like, literal fire raining down, there are so many moments where I'm like, this is so beautiful. Like, yeah. the bit with, like, there's, like, the rainstorm and they're running through, like, the crop fields. There's the mm. bits on the beach. Like, there's so much there, which is just, like, beautifully animated. Again, kind of go some way to like communicate kind of like the niceness of like normal life normal rural yeah. life is this how not to get ahead of ourselves with this entire mm-hmm. podcast but is how many other non-fantastical Ghibli films are there this is one of the only ones right yeah. so this is like quite striking in that it's like normal just natural yeah. colours yeah. Of... and yeah it's, I think well I think it's the only one that's based on like a autobiographical kind of um, existing um, material. Yeah, and the uh, yeah, because it was. Oh, and the Moonrise. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Definitely getting ahead of myself. Um, yeah, because do you know more about the guy? Because I did read about it, but I've kind of forgotten. Um, only that he was a young boy during the war whose mm, sister yeah. did actually die from malnutrition, and that guilt kind of like followed him throughout his life. Yeah. Um, but that's as far as that guy didn't go. I think he kind of wrote the book as well in the sixties, and I think he was trying to do that to like work his way through that guilt yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure yeah. anything that can help yeah. that sort of thing because like, yeah you are right this is definitely one of the like especially this early on like one of the, mm. yeah. one of the like, first non-fantastical ones this was 1988 so two mm-hmm. years after Cast in the Sky um, the same year as Totoro which is super interesting yeah um, the sorry I was about to say the same thing say the same thing um, they released it at the same time because they didn't think Totoro was going to do that well. Really? So like, it came out on the same DVD, didn't yeah, it? Like, or not, not DVD. DVD. <laughs> it came out on the same Blu-ray. <laughs> 1988. <laughs> Very ahead of its time. <laughs> but yeah, like, it came packaged together. So yeah. Oh, wow. It was like a double. That's so crazy. Yeah. Two probably of the most opposite ends. Yeah, yeah literally. And um, they did a lot of um, jewel showing of it in yeah. cinemas. Um, oh, wow. But they put... I can't say Totoro yeah. yeah they played that one first and they found a lot of people just leaving because they couldn't they knew that Totoro was such a happy film and they mm-hmm. kind of heard that yeah Grave of the Fireflies isn't a happy film so they just found it didn't do as well I don't think it's it's interesting like um, I think we'll probably talk about this next week next time when we cover yeah. Totoro um, but there are like you know the, the obvious thing there is like Grave of the Fireflies is um, Isao Takahata uh, Grave of Fireflies is 100% Miyazaki like no, Totoro's oh yeah sorry God, my words confused Totoro is, is 100% Miyazaki like and very obviously tonally very different movies but just because they definitely are um, but then they also both deal with like childhood they both also have the Ghibli thing of like a sick mom. like there's definitely yeah. moments mm. that are very different and Missing Dad as well that's the, one of the parallels I've realised from Lakuta as well yeah Jones, this film just well, absent dads yeah. well, Missing it, it, Dads is Everywhere, all mm. the time. Ab dads. Ab dads. Um, well, dads, dads, dads with abs. <laughs> what, Different you, podcast. You were saying um, about the thing with dads, or am I making that up? Oh, what was this thought I had? Oh, it's, no, it's, I think it's that. This, yeah, go on. It's the um, like everyone has no dad, <laughs> or, or like, like, no girl, like, like yeah, either yeah. no parents or 
yeah it's like it makes, all heroes have yeah either one or both missing um and i think someone someone said to me because it makes for a better story because they haven't got that um responsible person in life to be like what the hell are you doing like why are you going off on this magical adventure they can just do that because they haven't got that guidance yeah and we i think everyone has a plot device everyone fantasizes about that as well when you're a kid it's like what (laughs) but like (laughs) no but like getting out to having no one stopping you from becoming a hero and going out and going on adventures and stuff i mean it's pokemon like it's literally why that world is so appealing to no, generations of children. Ash has a mum. She's just terrible. She's like, <laughs> she off you go, go and fight these adults with these magical creatures. <laughs> Fuck you, Delilah. She's worse than the arm. Delilah. Delilah Ketchum. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No. I mean, you could Wild just say name. it confidently enough. Yeah. And not either, neither us nor anyone listening to this podcast. <laughs> There's no way of knowing. <laughs> um, I thought it was Pikachu. In the <laughs> <laughs> That's why he called her. In terms of landscapes and kind of like you said it's super naturalistic it's not fantastical elements yeah. it's lots of yeah. greens and browns and blues and then when you do have color it's fire and it's not good one thing i want to say about color but i have no extra con like any meaning to it okay. but maybe someone else will the ghosts is red mm. ghosts isn't normally red the ghost <laughs> is red and the ghosts is on a train i like that whole thing Mm. Um, um, segue, not exactly about colour, and okay. it's one of my. Okay, we're we all done with this. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can come I back said to ghost it. is red. <laughs> ghost is red, but ghost also reminds me, and this is another one of my potentially rogue references of. Doctor um, Who, we get it. No, it's not Doctor Who, it's Hocus Pocus this time. Mark's rogue references. <laughs> Mark's rogue um, It reminds me of Zachary Binks and his little sister at the end of Hocus Pocus meeting up in the graveyard and walking away. Jesus. And she's like. Zachary Binks, where have you been? And she's like, well, I've been waiting for a virgin to light the black flame candle. Um, and that's what it reminded me of, because it was an older boy and a younger girl, brother and sister, finally meeting and going off in the happy way in the other world, okay? Yeah, that makes sense. Anyone else have any... Uh, Rogue hot, references! Hot, hot, hot Hocus Pocus takes? Um, no. Talk to me about ghosts. Um, Sorry, back to ghosts and the ghosts, it's red. Why do we think the ghost is red? Ghost is normally blue. Ghost is normally blue. Yeah, but um, they live in a seaside town, so there's a lot of blue. Mm, maybe because the they're. Uh, I don't know why ghost is red. I maybe because someone... they're victims of war. Maybe fire. Blood. Blood. Fire. Blood and fire. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, the fire. And I think it has like um, obviously the firefly's connotation. Yeah. And there's lots of like you know it's the end of their lives. This like kind of dusk kind of lighting that kind yeah. of um ambient like glow to everything the, I, the the bits when this movie kind of cuts back and forth between him being alive and not yeah. i think is really yeah. really powerful like the bits when he like is walk walks into the bomb shelter and looks around like there's just a lot there that's kind mm. of like it's just so like melancholy in everything oh yeah and when it um at the end when she's died and it cuts like we just see like a Oh, like just mm. scenes of her playing on her own. Oh my god! That oh, bit was me. that was the bit so that well, I felt emotions at. It's like All the way that yeah, the way that she starts like hallucinating. The iller she gets yeah. is the way that like the flashbacks and like the vignettes start like melding into like the real world. Like at the start, you can see two satyrs. You yeah. know that one of them is alive and one of them is dead. By the end of it, like she's kind of playing and he's watching from afar it could almost be like a cut back like 
in the film. Like mm. it could be like very much in places. Just devastating, isn't it? Yeah. And, in, and and like she like she is so cute. Like I know it's like kind of um saccharine after that, but like that even like the be- the beginning of this movie, like as soon as I saw her and like it's a little hood man. Oh, that little hood is so cute. Yeah. Everything about her like it's in um in Castle in the Sky we see my big uh, burly ginger mom friend yeah. in Castle in the Sky. She has that little girl. Who looks very similar to the girl in Totoro, oh, like Amponio, yeah. Um, there's these this, like, very small children, like yeah. so much joy is put into like the animation of them and the kind of depiction of them. Yeah, it's about innocence, isn't it? Like that's like they're just like the ultimate victim. Yeah. Like yeah. it just makes it they're more defenseless. They know less about the world, so they don't know how to survive. And like, they don't understand why these things are happening. To yeah, them. there's so many. Yeah, exactly. They have no idea. They can't relate to what's going on. Like that, to them, it's just fire raining from the sky. Yeah. And like, there's certain mi- bits where they literally only end up dying because they're children. Like, if they were adults, they would have found ways to go and find food. Yeah. And like, he talks about having loads of money. That's just. Well, well, the, the hoping, right? I don't well, know. also that's what's so tragic about the end of this movie, right? Is that like he does go and finally like withdraw money from his mum's bank account and buys loads of food, brings oh, it yeah. back, and that's too late. Oh. Yeah. He has the watermelon, he breaks off a piece of watermelon, yeah. like that's the moment like that she dies yeah. when he finally bring like there's so much guilt in that moment like for whatever reason maybe it is to do with like the autobiographical kind of background of the book, mm-hmm. um, but something about it's that moment that she yeah. like it's like the, the kind of worst worst thing that could possibly happen right is that he yeah. finally gets food for her he finally leaves her alone brings back like the nicest the most delicious food we've seen all movie yeah. Yeah. and it's too late and she's eating marbles like yeah it just shows up how like childlike he is as well like he clearly somehow some like knows she is that sick and yet still like leaves her completely yeah. alone to go and cook this food that yeah. he thinks oh no she just needs a good meal I'll just cook this for her mm. like clearly she is past that at that point can't just leave it with a piece of watermelon. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting going from like I kind of like this was always going to be the one where it was like, poof, like especially off the back of Cast in the Sky, which is definitely like a kids' movie, like yeah. a real kids' movie. And you know, when we do Totoro next week, like Totoro is probably the most like the peak kid movie I think for Ghibli. Like it's so much about um that kind of like joy and innocence and so and so you know so much of the movie focuses on um the little girl's perspective it really is like a very yeah. very kid oriented movie versus this is kind of like the outline lots is, of ways yeah, yeah this is for adults yeah. yeah there's so yeah i think we talked about this a bit i think we touched on it last week where there's certain films in the ghibli mm. um, <laughs> that are <laughs> literally just aimed at adults and other ones that are basically just aimed at kids yeah whereas you really like have i brought up disney last time like that and like pixar and they're all aimed at both yeah there's none of those that are like oh yeah no kids wouldn't get this but like so cars free is definitely an adult (laughs) yeah when those cars get (laughs) fucked steve mcqueen gets it out oh um yeah that was it (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, I think it definitely like it deals with like that decline into like death and illness 
in a very different way to any like other like animated films yeah. um like saddest pixar film is up everyone yeah 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 very very sad the lion king has death of a parent yeah like but those are both his like touchstones in the rest of this yeah film that has like upbeat moments and even though um fireflies has like those upbeat moments you know that everything else isn't too far away yeah, yeah it's, just, it's more moments. of a reality isn't it as well the yeah. death and the, like, and but like you're totally right. And like with a movie like Up, like yeah, like the op- like the opening scene of Up is very sad. Um, but death is what like kicks off that story, yeah. and then it becomes about chasing up, a bird, big old bird, chasing that big old bird, <laughs> big bird, dogs with funny voices. <laughs> um, and, the, and the same with. Um, What's the other movie you just referenced? The Lion King. The Lion King as well. Like death is a catalyst for 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 like change in those characters and their yeah. attitude. Yeah. This, this movie, death is like the full stop at the end of the movie, yeah. and you yeah. start on the end. Exactly. You're never far away from it. Um, on that, we were watching the film the other night, and my housemate watched the last um, half an hour with us, and she watched it, and it was very sad. And and they were both like, "Why are you watching this? this is like such a sad film." We're like, "We're doing it for a podcast." <laughs> and um, at the end. Um, the little girl dies and it's really sad and what doesn't happen is that they don't replay um what's the boy's name Slater they don't replay his death so it ended and my housemate was like none the wiser that Slater actually died at the beginning of the film and she just went so sweetly she went oh at least he probably went away and had like a really happy life after the war ended oh. and we were like no the film started no. with him dying as well. they're, they're both dead <laughs> and she was like oh and then she just went to bed <laughs> so sad yeah it was really sad Oh. Um, uh, does anyone have any kind of like closing wrap-up thoughts about Fireflies? Things that we didn't touch on, things people want to cover, moments that people really liked? Um, there's a good um, the music that gets played as like the fire uh, as the city, uh, town is burning is very good, very non Ghibli esque. Mm. To go back on like, what we were saying last week of oh the music was very ghibli yeah. it was a lot of like strings and discord and like harrowing kind of very much yeah. fit the tone it would have been very strange if they'd used the traditional like, <laughs> piano <laughs> <and> jangling <laughs> and stuff um, yeah I that was interesting it was the lack of music as well yes oh, yeah. I've got to hear that lack of music during air raid is effective yeah. oh. was... that was definitely noticeable that there was a lack of music and I noticed another music bit <laughs> which uh when she's like upset on the beach uh, no not uh, some area where there's like a swing and he's like hey look at me i'm really good at this and then suddenly like the, he just like starts like doing gymnastics oh, yeah. for ages yeah. but like it's been silence uh, silent up until then oh. in terms of like music mm-hmm. and it just suddenly like this builds up this big sort of sort of celebratory yeah. stringy music song we're mm. good at soundtracks and yeah that's I mean so there's a contrast that scene is so that scene is so so sad mm. I guess yeah. something so like the whole setup of her not knowing that um, the mum is dead like him hiding it like there's something so so tragic about that bit of him trying to tear her up and like mm just leaping into action um, to is, like for, in like such a futile way yeah, yeah. it is really impressive though because he does go around that bar probably about 15 Fuck to 20 he's times he's so good yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous he, he might have a sore belly from that <laughs> but that like is 
that's a moment that sums up the rest of, the rest of the film of like him trying to like just do fruitlessly whatever do whatever yeah. he can and whatever he handles. Yeah, and that's in a not... very misguided way. Yeah, like, that isn't going to cheer yeah. anyone up. It's not that it's yeah. not enough. It's that it's the complete wrong thing to do. Yeah. Like he's trying to go and get a sugarcane plant, whatever mm-hmm. you call it, to help her when that's really not what she needs. Yeah. Like that's just a kid's version of what food 100%. would help yeah. you yeah. here. So yeah, and that's what's sad about the way his aunt treats him um, is that. Yeah, he's like, she's like, you should go and be in the war. Like, why are you not doing your own thing? Like, but he is doing a lot, and she just misses that. And it's the fact that she, the little girl is this innocent part party in this, but he's also young. Like, we don't, I don't think in the film we find out how old he actually is, but I don't think he's that old. And mm. um, the reason he has to act more grown up is because he's looking after this little girl, and it's yeah. like, no, he's also going through all of this. And another thing about aunt is a bitch. Um, <laughs> the line where she says, "In spite of it all, it's a lovely day." Oh, yeah. oh no, that's yeah. not the answer. That's that man. That's the. That's the man when he says, "Oh, my little sisters died." Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, "Oh, he's, and like, he's like, the like oh, you better burn her up quick because it's gonna smell anyway. It's a lovely sunny day." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the award for the most misplaced line. <laughs> I'm not like that's not being flippant. He basically right. says it like that. Um, yeah. I feel like we should be watching the subs rather than the dubs and something got yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. well the only thing I have to say about the dubs is that the aunt's dub is super poor yeah. and it actually another rogue reference do you want to do the theme tune Mark's rogue references that was different um, it changes every time it, it sounded like the mum from the room Oh, and she's mm. like, I definitely have cancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It sounded so much like yeah. that. There's just so many disconnected sentences. Yeah, the, um, this was, like, I know, like, last week we talked about, like, you know, we commit to either the dub or the, the subbed version of, like, all of these movies. This was definitely one where it was, like, I think in part because of the setting and what this movie is about, it felt weird watching it with an American dub. Yeah. And plus, apparently, they dubbed it twice, both with different translations. So we could have oh. potentially been watching completely different scripted films. Oh, wow. Right. Weird. Yeah. That's interesting. But we're stuck with dubs now. And is this one of the few Studio Ghibli films that isn't dubbed by, like, like so I don't think Disney to distribute this one? This is the only one that wasn't distributed by the Disney something deal. Yeah, so I don't I think they but... sort of either redubbed this or yeah. dubbed it with famous people. Yeah, this, I mean, as it, as it were. there are definitely, like, uh, in my own mind, like, some patchy dubs, that, and I know what those movies are, um, but by and large, I think they're all, like, particularly, like, pretty strong from this point onwards. Yeah. Um, okay, on that note, unless anyone has any more final comments. Does anyone know where I can get a blue hood that also doubles into a bag? Oh, it's so yeah. cute. Oh, it's so cute. I also want Just those shoes. Oh, the little I, this was a this was a movie where like like I said but, like you can buy the like fruit can um like I know about someone who has that and like what the movie I was like mm, do I want that merchandise but something feels very it, it feels very morose to like yeah. buy a piece of yeah. memorabilia for this movie yeah. like something about it doesn't quite sit especially because right. it's autobiographical yeah it just yeah. feels a bit weird that's weird um okay uh, on on that note weird merchandise <laughs> yeah. um oh maybe that could be a new a new section oh, of the podcast. Someone buys a piece of weird merchandise for every film and what? we bring it in. Oh, uh, shotgun like a big cuddly Totoro. No, I've already got it. Uh, okay. I'm going to be filming this next week in my Totoro onesie. Oh. Um, speaking of Totoro, um, so yeah, that's the kind of our wrap-up review of mm-hmm. Grave of the Fireflies, uh, episode two of Waiting for Cat Bus. Um, next week slash 
next episode um, is going to be uh, My Neighbour Totoro, um, third Studio Ghibli movie, as we said, released the same year as um, uh, Cave of the Fireflies. Um, and I've, I've, I've not seen this one, so I'm very... Oh, I've oh. not seen any of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> substantially, like, I'm very excited. different movie, like we said, so I'm really excited to mm. watch that again, feel warm and fuzzy, and then talk about it afterwards. Um, Okie dokie. Well, we... Abby, do you have anything... What, what should we say? We've got a cat bus to go catch. <laughs> That's definitely different than last time. What was it? Okay, bye guys. Bye. 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 bye.